0: nothing about this is luck boy is ambition nothing gets in our way. we on a clear mission we making plans we just trying to live society working so hard that we go on notoriety and we born with the drive yeah in society Eric Mark and James' we giving game they inspire it. Adam clear with the vision it's so deployable you do what you want when you live in life unemployable
1: what is that by unemployable friends it is Adam and the crew here again in the studio about to bang out another awesome episode and we have a new Panel member here today. Did you guys notice when you came in, big red or whatever we're going to end up calling it? Boxing kangaroo. The boxing kangaroo. What do you think?
2: Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> we're just trying to, um, as we said, the naming convention here will um, will take place over time and. Yeah, Eric, uh, we'll have some
3: fun with it, mate, that's for sure. <laughs> you seem like you're a bit nervous. you got to look over your bag in case it a kick. <laughs> yeah, it's come out. You, know, you know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> we will do a naming contest
1: with you guys in our audience to name this big red kangaroo uh, sometime uh, soon. But, uh, no, that's going to be a lot of fun. Today's show is going to be... Are quite unique because guys, we are learning as we go here. You've got four guys that are business guys. This is our first time in podcasting and we are loving the feedback that you're giving us. Uh, I was in the comments this morning in the YouTube um, and uh, just seeing what you guys had to say and we deeply, deeply appreciate first and foremost your attention. Any second you're spending with us, we value. We know there's lots of choice when it comes to content. But um, one of the things we wanted to do today is test a, a slightly different format. We want to make sure that you get value, you get entertainment, and you get learning, stuff that you can actually take away uh, because we know our audience are people who are unemployable uh, or aspire to be unemployable because their dreams are bigger than a job. And uh, so we hope that when you come to this pod, you do walk away with practical, actionable learnings as well, not just shooting the shit about politics and um, business affairs as they affect us as entrepreneurs in the real world. There is one story we're going to cover today at the, at the start that is uh, a huge story globally. But today what we're going to be doing uh, is uh, diving into three real deals with these guys on the panel. So one is James's recent acquisition of a healthcare company in Brisbane. We're going to talk about uh, that in a bit more detail. Uh, and some of the practical things he's doing to turn that around. So if you have an e-commerce business or you sell physical products, or you aspire to start a side hustle with practical, actionable uh, strategies you can scale with, make sure you're tuned for that. Uh, We're going to talk to Mark about a recent transaction he did in land. As you know, Mark has sold over 3,000 plots of land in his career, which is uh, exceptional. But we're going to actually talk about how he actually invests in land and gets incredible returns. And we're going to talk about a real estate deal that Eric completed not so long ago in Burley Heads, a residential, a residential subdivision. Uh, we basically bought a piece of uh, property, knocked the house over, built some more stuff on there. We're going to go through all the numbers, uh, break it down for you guys so that you can go, wow, that's how these guys actually make money. Um, and so we think it's going to be an awesome show. But the big, big, big news overnight was the... One and only, Donald Trump, being disqualified, at least in Colorado, for being on the U.S. presidential ballot. What do you guys think of Donald Trump uh, and this news? Let's lead up. I mean, this is the king uh, of U.S. uh, politics. And and at the end of the day, it does affect the world, who who becomes the U.S. president. Uh, But it just seems like Teflon Don is finally, (laughs) finally something has stuck to him. Um, and what do you think the ramifications are? What do you think is happening here?
2: Well, it, uh, when you say stuck to him, there's an appeal, of course, that, that goes on. With it. But look, anyone that can publicly say they're going to they grab women on the pussy and get away with it, you know I don't think he's, he's probably still got a shot at, the, at Colorado. Yeah, well, he, he got elected US president after that.
0: That was part of his campaign to get elected. Yeah. I mean, the reality is his name is being mentioned more than that. any other presidential candidate at the moment still. Mm. So. Let's Do you think? It it, does... Do you think it's an
1: inside job? <laughs>
0: well, it, it, um, it's if you if it's actually Republicans that the the litigants that the Republicans have brought this case forward in Colorado. So that's interesting. I mean, I, I haven't been well read on this on this issue because it just just broke. But wow, it, it's not Democrats so, it, behind it.
1: It's so fascinating. It is a Democrat elected uh, judging panel that uh, that has uh, that has done it. But. You know, look, all I want to say about it is if you're going to have a shot at the king, you've got to kill him. Because I think if if this doesn't kill him, this is going to... I mean, either way, this is going to galvanise Trump supporters. For sure. And, and uh, this could actually, as you've pointed out, he is dominating... This story is dominating the headlines. You can't buy this level of publicity, uh, whether this will actually end him or not. Uh, for those of you who don't know the story, effectively... They have ruled in a Colorado court that uh, Donald Trump uh, should be held accountable and is actually in violation of um, US law and cannot run for um, on the ballot in Colorado because of his uh, involvement in the riots where he was deemed to be, um, you know, at least by this court, involved in insurrection. Which- and th- those laws were actually brought about after the Civil War, and it was kind of to stop it around that time, but they still stand today and uh, what Donald's really worried about because he lost in Colorado leading up to his election, so it doesn't really matter if it was just Colorado, but they're now worried about this going into other states and being used and uh, having a sort of cascading effect. Eric?
3: I like Donald Trump. <laughs> I honestly do. But he reminds me a little bit of a cockroach <laughs> because <laughs> no matter how many times you try to kill this thing, it doesn't—you know keeps coming back, and this is Donald Trump. And I feel this, again, is just going to give him more power. I think it's, you know, he's got plenty of money to fight these things. He is the herpes of American (laughs) politics. (laughs) (laughs) You You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. You can keep it at bay, but it always comes back. Yeah.
1: Um, what do you what do you like about Donald Trump? I'm I'm actually interested yeah. in this. What do you like about? Because it's great when somebody actually goes on record and, uh, and uh, publicly says their opinion. So and and I know that this is going to be a divisive comment because probably half our audience hate him, half love him. Why do you love him?
3: He says it how it is. That, that, that's what I like about him. It's like Tucker Carlson. It's the same thing. He speaks his mind. Um, you know, he stands for a certain for a certain type of person, and obviously there's plenty of those people in the US because they voted him in. And I think they see him as a massive threat. And one of the reasons why they keep indicting him, you know, I'm looking here, 2017, 2018, (laughs) 2020, you know, and and they just keep going, right? So, but I think bad publicity is also good publicity. Like Mark said earlier, his name is in the news. His name is in the media. We're talking about him now. And I think that's just going to give him more and more drive um, to win this next election. But again, back with Donald Trump, he's a businessman. I'm a businessman. Um, I like the way he does business in certain, certain light. Um, and I think, you know, becoming a billionaire, whether, you know, he inherited, uh, the money or not, you know, just keeping it and growing it, um, is a big thing. And I think that he looks at running a country, like running a business and, I think the U.S. was in a lot better shape when he was mm-hmm. except a president. For, except for the divisiveness. He created a fairly, fairly large rift yeah, between,
2: between the certain sex. But, you know, as you said, um, he, he calls it as it is, and then some. Like, there's no, th- some. N- nothing ever underdone. And so I think if you fact-checked half his stuff that he, he was claiming to, it's like, you know, half of the bullshit. But, you know... And uh, I think you're uh, being kind with saying half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, look, at least it's uh, certainly over here. We don't have that sort of colour in our politics, which, well, you know... Ours is like watching paint dry. So it's, if nothing else, it's good entertainment.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, love him or hate him, agree with his politics or not. He's, what, 72, 73 years old. He's a billionaire. And he still has this hunger and this urge to run the country. Now, I would never want that job. I don't know about you guys. Would you want to be president or the, the top dog in Australia? No.
3: no, you, no you, like, you can't just have a lazy sleep in Kenya. Right. Like...
0: <laughs> and, he, and he's still getting at him and going for it. And so... He, he's, you know, whether you agree with him, he, he does want great for America and he's trying to do what he believes is right to put America back on the track. So you've got to give him credit at least for that. Yeah,
1: it's one thing I love about America when I'm over there. You see they are pro-America, whether you think it's too much as an Australian. I think Australians could be a bit more pro-Australia, you yes, know, like we, absolutely. you know, more flags on the street, yeah. more... Um, you know, more allegiance to the flag. I think, I think America really does lead the world in that way. Yep. But, I, you know, for me, I, I look at Donald and I, I, I dislike so many parts of him as a person. <laughs> but then I look at the role and, and, and you're hiring the guy or whoever for a role. And that role does involve dealing with some pretty hard, you know, dispassionate, you know, people who want what America has, which is power. Mm-hmm. and um and, and and you know you can't be a nice guy and sit down with someone like Putin and and uh, you know win <laughs> you know what i mean like you've got to have somebody in those roles sure there can be some but they have to have that spine i like vivek i think vivek is an amazing young version um much younger than donald but has that same Spine that same strength, at least of what I've seen of him. But it's going to be interesting. We're not going to make the whole show about it, but I think we've got to. We've definitely got to watch what's happening there. Um, it's going to be a very interesting year next year into
2: twenty twenty four. And Vivek, we uh, were saying before, has um, also stood loyal to, to Donald and pulled his name off the ballot voluntarily off the Colorado ballot, right? Yes.
1: So. Yeah. So he he came out yesterday and said, I am. Uh, c- taking myself off the Colorado ballot until Donald is reinstated. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very technical argument. I was reading it this morning in the New York Times, uh, the the literary and uh, the, the opinions, and it's very, very nuanced around whether he's actually deemed to be an officer of the United States, which usually refers, and that's the key wording, because it's uh, that, that, that refers to people who are uh, being paid or were not elected officials. So people who are elected officials um, many believe are excluded from that language, in which case would be Donald because he was only ever an elected official. So it's going to be, it's a very, and there's all these interlocutory sort of um, languages and so on. So it's, it's going to be a debate for the Supreme Court. it will be very interesting. But the Supreme Court, remember, Donald's going to have an advantage because he elected...
0: Can I can I throw a question to you guys, right? So before Donald Trump got in power the first time, I thought that he would be fantastic because the world was going so far left and so far woke, And it's like... That created Donald, right? That created Donald Trump and gave him power and, and built his base and got him in. After he's been elected and now where we are with the right, we're starting to move back towards the right, do you think that there is room for a centrist to come in and lead the nation or are we not quite there yet? Because it seems like you need to be polarising to win.
2: <laughs> yeah. well biden's hardly polarizing is he yeah.
0: um well
1: tough, it, well he is he people, is polarizing so many people because, hate him yeah because he's, think he's, about he's, to fall he's off stage.
2: yeah he's basically
1: the extreme opposite of a picture of health and mental um agility so he's not like he's not young, he's not vibrant he's not like in the middle sort of thing he's like very old so in that sense he's polarizing it's like an old man who can't I, I really worry about. you kind. Yeah, he's an old man that I really don't think he knows what's going on half the time, no. which is embarrassing for America as a as a nation. But I, I to answer your question, Mark, I don't know. In the world we have now, it's all sound bites and attention, and and nobody gets sound bites or attention better than Donald Trump.
3: Um, Biden is someone that I see can be easily controlled. Yeah, and Donald Trump's someone that just can't be controlled. Yeah, and and. That's a big, big difference in US politics.
1: The US definitely needs help. You know, they're in a very, very difficult spot at the moment. And uh, I would love to see somebody who can actually bring both sides together. Uh, That's going to take a very special person to be able to do that. More than just like Obama was a great speaker, but Mm. did he actually do that much? When Donald came in, I remember sitting there going, holy shit, I didn't know the US president had that much power. He was just doing shit, like, you know, shut down the US china postal service agreement and stuff Mm. like that and i'm like usually they come in and do nothing for months and months and months and nothing really actually changes and i remember watching donald thinking oh shit these guys can actually do stuff they just didn't use their power
0: he used the executive orders in the first hundred days yeah
1: yeah, he was like he actually did the stuff he said he was gonna do
3: yeah i remember when he first ran i actually thought it was a joke Like, I didn't even think it was real. Like, I thought this was like a celebrity publicity stunt. But when he actually won, I think it surprised (laughs) the world. But then I think what he's uh, done when he was president has surprised a lot of people, both in a positive way and a negative way, depending on what light you see him.
2: Well, he, he,
0: he kind of... Uh, rallied the troops and started the the pushback on 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 the whole, you know, China and the tariffs, right? And that that's pretty much a, a universally agreed issue across both parties. So mm. he, he's done a lot of things that people were too afraid to do. Mm. Yeah, he pushed back, which was
1: which is good, and I
0: think got to see more of it. So we'll see what
1: happens. It's going to be an interesting story as it unfolds. We'll keep following. Keep following, <laughs> and uh, and watch uh, uh, the greatest show on earth next year is going to be the U.S. election. Uh, I, I
0: think there's like. A minute chance whoever wins or whoever loses is going to give up uh that that loss too too easily i think there is going to be controversy
1: yeah if they don't kill donald
3: i think he's going to win <laughs> <laughs> like if they don't like literally uh, cut I was just his head ask off. if you had to make a bet mark what would it be right now donald trump james trump adam yeah unless they
1: could they, they kill him i think donald will win again i agree donald trump put it in the comments what do you guys think yeah, very interesting. Uh, a more interesting question, who who will be the, the candidate on that side if Donald doesn't get mm. elected? Um, and uh, that's going to be, you know, DeSantis or, you know, Vivek or, who, you know, who, uh, Nikki Haley, who's going to actually... I don't think DeSantis has a shot. Um, I think it'll be down to Vivek or Nikki. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see.
0: He's refreshing. We should talk about him in another pod. Another pod,
1: yeah. Vivek yeah. is... the. Some of the, the, the last debate was just epic where he just... Called out Nikki Haley. <laughs> Did you guys see this clip? It was no, I seen fascinating. It. He said, These guys oh, yeah. here, Ronda Santos and Nikki Haley, um, they, they, they want, they've already said they want to send soldiers into Eastern Ukraine. So tell us, guys, can you name three major states in Eastern <laughs> Ukraine? He says, Okay, so you're willing to send our sons and daughters off to the Ukraine to fight and die, and you don't even know where they're going. Yeah. And you want to run our country. I love that. And they were just <laughs> like <laughs> blank, totally like expressionless. And then he told Ron DeSantis to shut the F up and go get a Happy Meal and leave. He's just like, he was just... (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) He's got some spunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's got got backbone. For those who don't know who Vivek is, you know, he's basically a billionaire in his 30s, I think, maybe, late 30s. Um, And very, very smart. Really interesting character. So anyway, it's going to be a fun show to watch next year. So guys, let's jump into this first deal, which is, uh, you know, with you, Mark. Um, this this, This segment with Mark is just a sort of start demonstrating um, because we know we have a younger audience and we know that, uh, you know, that it's a fact. Baby boomers have, in this country uh, control most of the wealth and a lot of it initiated from their first home, right? So they bought a home in Australia and didn't sell it and became millionaires. It's it's You didn't have to be that smart. You didn't have to do too much. But unfortunately for young people today, that dream is actually mathematically much more difficult to do. It takes 14 years, I think, is the number to save for a deposit now on an average salary versus four back when the baby boomers. So this little story here is, um, uh, Mark, you can maybe give us the overview, but it's basically yeah. Mark comes from a land background, so he wanted to give us a demonstration of a deal he's just done. And, and also, I think, Mark, if you could shed some light before we sort of drill in and start asking you questions um, on why you think this opportunity still exists in Australia today in certain markets.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I don't know if if you guys are here, those guys from Queensland will have seen in the news recently that the um, government is going to introduce a thirty thousand dollars home buyers grant. And I tend to have this belief, and it, it's my part of my investing philosophy is where money flows, capital growth grows. Right, where where the government is putting money, um, you will see capital growth, um, and putting thirty thousand dollars in the form of a home buyers grant into New builds, under 750000 given that price point, is going to mean that money is going to flow to the greenfields, estates, um, 30 to 40 kilometres from the CBDs. Because you really can't get a house for under seven fifty any closer to the city. So money is going to flow to those areas. There's obviously... Um, infrastructure is obviously a problem in a city. Uh, the traffic is getting worse and worse. And so there is some benefit to pushing people out a little bit further as, as well. And the other thing, you know, with Queensland, they are probably pushing for migration as well, right? You've got the Olympics coming in, in what is it, 10, 20
3: 10 30, years from now?
0: 20, 30. 2032, right? And so they're probably pushing for some migration. It's a, it's a perfect marketing campaign, the Olympics. Um, and these are the areas where there's still room to house people as well. So I think there's a lot of infrastructure um, an effort that's going to go into building these growth areas. And we've seen that in Melbourne. So being from Melbourne back in 2007, 2008, uh, a multi, multi multi-million dollar land boom, multi-billion dollar land boom basically occurred where I think land prices probably tripled from 2008
1: to now. Wow. Yeah. And the great thing about land, if you're sitting there wondering, okay, Mark, how is this helpful to young people? This strategy, Mark's going to show you right now, is super simple, but yeah. involves just the land. So it essentially cuts in half, or, or you're probably half, the cost of getting into the real estate market if you are, uh, you know, younger and and want exposure but don't have enough capital
0: to go all the way in. So
1: can you just maybe talk us yeah, through this deal sure. in uh, Roxbury Park?
0: Yeah. So one one of the things that obviously made it so easy for me to sell a lot of land is I always tried to be the first investor. In, this, in the estate that I purchased in. So um, one thing that I love, if if you can get into stage one of a new land estate, you're always gonna do very, very well because the developers have a feasibility model that they've built when they purchase the site that means that they have to reach growth every stage release, right? So if you can get in stage one, you're obviously gonna get in at the cheapest land prices. Um, so in a bunch of estates that I worked at, I tried to buy the first blocks. Uh, this, this block that I'm going to talk about today is in uh, Roxburgh Park. Uh, it's close to the... If anyone knows Melbourne, it's, it's, in, it's next to Greenvale, very close to the airport. It's about 32 kilometres from the CBD, um, and it's in uh, Satterley Estate, which is one of the largest private land developers um, in the country. And I always like, if possible, to look in the estates that are run by the larger developers... Because they generally have the bigger estates and they're generally putting more infrastructure, better parks into their estates, which, you know, makes a difference when you're going to resell. Uh, so I purchased this block back in 2016. Maybe we, we could uh, throw the details up on the screen. Throw um, some images up, Greg, yeah. just to show show what we're talking
1: about here so you can get a visual. And that's something we're going to try and do regularly, guys, so you can actually wrap your eyeballs around seeing
0: it. Yep. So you can see there where it is. Uh, purchased it in 2016 for $278,000. Uh, at the time, I got a 70% loan, so that was 194600 And I put up the other $83,400 uh, out of my pocket. So just keep in mind that the cash invested in the deal was 83400 And I, I'm not sure if I included stamp duty in that or you've got to add stamp duty, but um, if someone's quick on math, you could probably work that out. Uh, This block was interesting because I was able to lease this block back to the developer uh, and they used it as a car park for their sales office. So not every single block of land that you're gonna buy is gonna be able to be leased back to the developer, but if you can lease it back, it can be quite lucrative because they basically over a five year period paid me $16,680 plus GST. So that worked out uh, to, yeah. Um, what is it? So, how long did you lease it?
2: 83,000.
0: Uh, 83, okay, it was five years, yeah, yeah. 83,000, 83, five years. I, I think that's correct, anyway. Uh, 16680 16, times five, basically. And so, the so you interest leased it for 16680
1: as a car park per year yep. for five years. Yes. Which gave you back
0: $83,000 in lease payments. Yes. And your interest payments over the term... My interest payments over the term were about nine, now it was much, it was less than this because interest rates were lower during this time, but I'm basing it on basically five percent, which is, which is fairly reasonable as an average rate. And it was around about $9,730 a year in interest repayments. Okay. And so, and when did you sell it? Uh, we just sold it uh, last Friday, uh, sold it for 700000 So in pure capital growth terms, that's 151% return, so 278 to 700. And on a cash-on-cash basis, based on the the roughly 83,000 that are invested, it's a 400% return. 400% return just on buying the land. How does that
1: look if you didn't have it leased back in, um, if we are just paying the interest on the land over that time?
0: Yeah, so basically you would have to... Uh, I don't have the percentage numbers. You'd basically have to take the 80, 80 odd thousand in in lease payments that I received off. Yep. Um, and so your, your total
1: uh, annual interest was uh, the total interest you paid in eight years was seventy eight thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So seventy eight thousand. So really, if you add the seventy eight thousand dollars plus the purchase price of what was it? Two seventy eight. Two seventy eight. Three fifty six, and you sold it for seven hundred. Yep. So. still doubled your money in that time um which is phenomenal and that's just owning land just owning land yeah which is really interesting so for young people watching this um you know you might be able to do this with a couple of people and get into owning a block of land like that. You do have to be able to pay the interest if you can't lease it back. Exactly, But split between two or three people, it's a great way to get exposure to the real estate market. You could, of course, then build on it if your financial circumstances change. Yep, um, There's lots of things you can do with it, but you have exposure to the market. Very clever, interesting little strategy for people just to get started.
0: Yeah, and I think you know people are doing this on a large scale. There's so many, uh, even guys at, our, at your Wealth Builders event who are getting together, putting together syndications and buying farms and larger parcels of land. Yep. And I just think this is a great strategy for people to do, you know, general general population to be able to do, get together with your brother, get together with your sister, your best mate, buy a block of land. I mean, you know, $10,000 a year in repayments is $5,000 each. Yes, It's affordable, right? $5,000
1: each over eight years yep. is like 40 grand over eight years. But when you sell it, you're basically getting a, a massive return.
0: And you've know, you, you if you've got to invest in the right places as well. If Correct. you had her invested in Perth during the mining boom, you would have struggled to get that return over the next eight to 10 years. Hmm. But I, you know, if someone has sold a lot of land, I think the opportunity in the next five to 10 years is going to be in Queensland. Like I said, the Olympics, if you go back and have a look at what that done in New South Wales, massive, massive. Um, you've got the first home buyers grant, which is going to be a huge stimulus for these greenfields estates. Another massive opportunity, uh, and you and you've got the land available and the developers that need to grow that that rate of return over over the life of
2: that project. Plus, you've got affordability uh, out oh, here exactly. as well. Yeah. I mean, you look at Melbourne land prices. We used to develop a whole bunch of land uh, out near the um, other places you're about to mention, uh, and yeah, I mean back then we were talking about blocks before 120, 140 uh, grand for a block. You know, they've doubled out there for sure, but there's still a third of what Melbourne is right now. So. Um, you know, that that affordability piece is definitely here in South East Queensland.
0: It's interesting, right? Like, it's the same old story. I remember in the Uber on the way here, I was talking to a guy who had some land in Bendigo and sold it. And uh, he basically, he sold it, the whole parcel of land for 12 blocks, 400,000, and now they're worth uh, 465,000 a block or something. Wow! And he sold it like, you know, 10 years ago. And I said, why don't you buy some land in Queensland now? He's like, oh, it's too expensive. Hmm the same story always repeats. People think they've missed the boat. Yes. But it's never the case. So I think you posted something on Instagram about that couple who walked out of the land estate yeah. back in the 50s and said, did you buy a block, sir? Oh, no, they're too expensive. And then they asked this other guy, seasoned businessman, did you buy a block, sir? Absolutely. Land always goes up. Yes. And, and that's... And those yeah. blocks
1: were like two and a half, three thousand dollars $3,000 a block in Canberra. In 1968, that was... And the, and the lady said, uh, who missed out, and then you've got to pay $100 a year just to own it in tax. And yeah. everyone, all the young people watching it would be just going, oh my God, if that was my parents, I would have shot them.
2: Similarly, there's another article. Um, I used to live in Bondi for a while and um, a person, obviously, through the boom, renovators, delights and whatnot, uh, and it made headline news. It was a, a piece of news, like back in the day, they used to put newspaper under carpet quite a lot. And it was the same headline, 1963, <laughs> yeah. housing affordability, how are the young people going to buy a home? And you're talking, you know, 60 years and, later. And, and land shortages were the thing that... Yeah, and 60 you know, years later, about. it's the same headline wheel out every time, every time the, the, the boom goes round. So, you know, um, when's the best time to buy a property? Yesterday.
0: Yeah. There's, what's that saying? That there's two certainties in life, death, taxes. The third one is that human nature doesn't change, right? Same, yes, same, yes. Same stories, different time.
1: Yeah. Mark, you, you mentioned some resources before we rolled tape. Yeah, um, yeah. Where, where, where can people... Um, Look at um, where these lands are.
0: Yeah, so there, there's actually an amazing website called uh, Open Lot. So it's www.openlot.o dot com a u, and basically uh, that has all of the land estates in Melbourne in in kind of like a database format. It's like it's like the real of land estates. And so you've basically got a a, a resource there that you can search all the different land estates all over Australia and see what's up. I mean,
1: I I think one of the best thing you can do if you're watching this, you think about buying real estate. If you want to build your belief, if you're nervous about, like I was speaking to a client, just Eric and I had him here last week and he has quite a lot of money um, sitting there in the bank account and uh, he's just afraid to invest it. And I'm like, dude, you need to invest that money. You have so much money there that you actually could stop working and just be an investor. But, uh, you know, there's nerves about investing. And I think if you're watching this, when you go back and you just look at numbers as far back as you can, what stuff was bought for and what stuff was sold for, bought for, sold for, bought for, sold for, in this country, you will go, what the hell am I doing sitting on the sidelines um, and not? And this is a unique benefit of living in this beautiful country is that so many people want to come here and will continue to come here um, that I'm personally bullish about it. I'm not giving financial advice, of course, I'm just saying it just builds your belief by looking at the data.
2: But, but also with that, just, sorry, just on that about the headlines, it's usually the, the mainstream media that wheel out all the negative headlines which get, grab, it's like clickbait, um, yeah. and people get um, hoodwinked by the whole thing, and that while the, the ride's happening, they're too busy shitting themselves on the sidelines. And once it's happened, they go, oh my God, it lands away. But now <laughs> oh, they're, 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 the, the pullback happens. So it's well, like, you've got to really take the take the goggles off. Yeah, when I travel, I'm I'm
1: still blown away at how good value it is here in Australia. Though Australia's a bubble. I'm like, when I go back to LA now and I look at the rental market, for example, I honestly, I mean, this sounds super, super snooty, but I couldn't live in a house for less than maybe 15, 20 grand US a month. That's just what it costs in Los Angeles mm. for a... Proper livable yeah, you know, house for a middle aged guy. <laughs> it's super expensive there compared to here and, and and lots of places around the world. You're a data man. You love it, Eric.
3: I got a couple of questions. Yeah, go. Okay. <clears throat> one is why did you purchase that particular lot? Did, did you know that you were going to lease it back as a car park already? That, or was that, that a coincidence? That one
0: I did. Okay. That one I did. But over the course of, of me selling land for, for, I think it was nearly 10 years on and off, for a couple of stints. Yeah. I bought blocks in every single estate that I worked in and I even bought blocks in neighbouring estates that weren't car park lease blocks.
3: Another question, yeah. Why, what do you look for, right? So if I'm a person and I'm on open lot and I'm looking at different blocks of yeah. land and you get some that are a little bit cheaper than others, yeah, yeah. what do you actually look for when you're looking at these blocks of lands in the, these estates? Because you could pick 100 lots, yeah, right? Yeah. Why pick the one at the end? Why pick the one in the middle?
0: It's a great great question. So there's two lenses that I apply to it. The first lens is if I was going to buy and build my dream home in this estate, is this the kind of position that I would want to choose over the other lots in the release? Is this the one that has the park frontage or the water view or the... North facing. North, right? It has the the good backyard orientation. So that's the first lens. The second lens, which I think is an underappreciated one, is a lot of the developers, they price... In frontage width. So a 10.5 will have a certain price, a 12.5 meter frontage, a 14 will have a certain price. If a block is a little bit irregular, so has a funny shape or goes bigger at the back, I love the ones that go bigger at the back because everyone loves a big backyard. And if you look at that frontage and it says 12 meters at the front, but when you actually set it back four meters where the house needs to go, it opens up to 16 meters. That's effect, effect effectively a 16-meter block. But the developer most times prices it as a 12 and a half meter block. Mm -hmm. And so you've got all this extra yard space in the back. You've got the frontage that allows a bigger house and you're paying a cheaper price per square meter. So I look for
3: those ones. I look for a big booty block. Yeah, big big booty block. block. Good strategy. And I have uh, one more question. Do you, because you've held it for longer than a year, is land the same as as a house and as an asset when you hold it for longer than a year, you get the 50% reduction in capital gains tax?
0: Absolutely. So it's... uh, You've got to hold it for more than 12 months from the date of signing to the date of sale. And uh, yeah, you get the same. Land is the same.
3: So I just worked out, you've made about $52,750 a year over the eight years roughly in in capital growth. Yep. Now you're only paying tax on 50% of that. Absolutely. Whereas there's people out there right now Right, that are working 40, 38 hours a week to earn the same amount of money and they're paying tax on the whole thing.
0: Exactly. And, and to that point, I'm you know, nearly, nearly 40 years old and only now just buying my first family home. So from the age of you know, 24 when I got into land to now, I've been putting all the money that I've been investing in my job into land because of that point. My income can never grow as fast as property prices in Australia. Yeah, that's very
1: interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I want to talk about that other deal that you did recently, not today, yep. but another pod. But uh, for those of you listening, this is what you know, Mark's specialty has been, is buying land, selling land, and he's just bought a, a, a property down in the uh, beach suburbs of Melbourne that we're going to dive into that has subdivision and all sorts of opportunities around that, which is going to be fascinating to, to dive into. Any other questions for Mark before we move on?
0: no
3: what are you doing with the money
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think we're i think we're about to start looking from some deals up here on the coast hey yeah exactly yeah Good
1: on you. uh maybe do something like what we're about to show you guys with eric's last project well not last but he's got so much going on but we're going to just do a simple one today with eric but uh let's let's move on now to james um So again, guys, drop in the comments. If you have questions for Mark, drop them in the comments. Let us know if that kind of content is helpful for you because um, so many people don't, I don't think, think about just buying land as an asset. It's always house and land and and, and so on. So it's it's an interesting strategy um, and uh, one certainly worth looking into. So moving on to James. James acquires companies effectively, guys. So he looks for what he calls fax machine companies, meaning companies that are, there's a huge boom coming and that is baby boomers retiring and they've built these businesses over their lifetime. Their kids uh, don't want the businesses because they have been the beneficiaries of uh, generally a a successful small business that has probably funded them through a good level of education, perhaps a higher level of education the parents had. They're now doctors or pursuing their own dreams and whatever. They don't want to go and run the old man's dusty warehouse-based business. Um, And so we've got, you know, probably certainly billions of dollars worth of value just in this country that is going to be sold uh, or just shut down Uh, and james and his business partner are in that space of looking for companies that where they've got a vendor that wants to get out uh, that has not been uh, brought into the 21st century and apply um, a combination of james's skills which is sales online marketing sales and his business partner skills, which is the back end and the operational side of the business together, they make a really great um, pairing. And they recently bought a a, a healthcare business. I think it'd be a broad description of it in Brisbane. Um, You know, basically it was a 17 year old business that sells high ticket healthcare products and services to healthcare professionals and also directly to end consumers. So James, just give us sort of the high, the high level view of In your own words, why are you doing what you do today? Was that a good description or how would you come
2: on? Yeah, 100%. And just as a fun fact, um, that um, as these boomers start to retire, only 20% of businesses that are listed for sale actually sell. The other 80%, they throw the keys back and walk away. That's of listed businesses, the ones we actually know about, so... Um, there's a lot of businesses we don't know about because they never make it to market. You guys actually have a process of actually contacting unlipped yeah, businesses. That, that's, that's one of the other streets is, um, and again, that's a probably, depending on discussion t- for another day. Yeah, but it's a, that's a whole, probably half an hour in itself, how to locate said businesses. We only buy off market, never through a broker, um, and to do that, there's as a, as a whole... Um, a whole system, lot, yeah. a Whole system around that, from curating databases, outreach, negotiation, the whole shebang. So, that that's a pretty chewy conversation in itself. So, but just in, in um, um, from a, a high level, as you said, you know, it's not a case of um, Eric and I were talking off camera before about, you know, I'm just going to go and buy a business. Uh, I think you need to have a bit more of an educated, and certainly an objective. And our objective was to go, A, buy a business, and I'll talk about the deal criteria in a minute, build a template or a system, a repeatable um, cookie cutter model, if you will. Um, Build a proven track record uh, of results so we can get funding to scale, uh, because we always wanna use other people's money, not our own. Um, The whole goal here is to try and do this with little to no money out of pocket. Um, And then once you've got that model sorted out, is form a platform or a holding company. Uh, and then go around once we have got these proven results whether we're um, uh, funded or um, uh, bootstrapped ourselves uh, is acquire similar business in the same sector not the same business I mean why we'll have potentially but more so similar business in the same healthcare sector that's um, uh, what they generally call a roll-up um, and then effectively what that does is we're arbitraging the multiples so example if we're buying companies that uh, might trade uh, do half a million dollars EBITDA, that might trade at three times multiples if they're under management. But the minute you hit around two million um, EBITDA, that multiple goes anywhere from seven to ten North Old. Wow. Yeah. So and
1: just by having a bigger business,
2: big business yeah, grouped, uh, grouped, grouped together, grouped yep. income, diversified. Yep, your multiples can double or triple. So, so for those those who are new to this, EBITDA. What is EBITDA? Essentially, it's a fancy word for profit um, before interest in tax. And tax. Because if someone goes and takes out uh, buys my company for argument's sake, and I've got it loaded with debt, when they buy it, they might have zero debt. So they look at that that earning before um, interest tax um, depreciation amortisation. So yes. that's if you need to um, learn more about that, Google's your Google friend. It, yeah. Just Google it cause it's pretty yeah. complex to try it, and explain without a whiteboard. Is
0: that fr- is that? From a, a less risk perspective, is that why the multiple increases? Yeah,
2: 100%. Um, that's what um, the, the ultimate buyer, when I look at this sector, is like, who's the what's the exit strategy? Where do I start and where's the end? Where, where do I get out? Is there a buyer there? And buyers, predominantly private equity, uh, want to um, de-risk. And so if you've got four or five of these companies, as I said before, similar businesses, potentially not the same, that if one leg falls, or if you've got four to stand on, they're, mm. they're de-risking their investment. Because their whole goal is to take what you've done and wrap it up into a much larger ent- entity, um, or IPO, because that's, that's,
0: that's one of their concerns that when when they purchase the business that it that the sales then drop off because the eg- incumbent eg- and exactly
2: so you've got well, you know. Um you know, like we look for in any business, you what's your customer concentration? If you've got a business and it's got one main customer that's 80% of yeah. the revenue, well, I'm not interested at all. Like, it, it, max customer concentration would be 20%. So if you lose that one customer, you still got 80% of your revenue. Uh, and so you can de-risk it, adds a, a lot more sizzle for their appetite um, to, to, to purchase, so. Just yeah. keeping that mic in mind, we're just getting used to these mics, so uh,
1: make sure you just twist it around when you're talking to Mark. Yeah. And so, so, that, so that's interesting, then, James, on that, that the, the private equity guys, um, it seems to me, in my experience, that it's it's actually easier to sell to a private equity, and because they're looking, there's less of these businesses, and
2: loads of money out there looking for those businesses that are slightly bigger. Yeah, and, and because, so. you, because it takes away what they're looking for is is uh, a machine or something that operates under management. They're not mm. looking to get in there and do the the grind, which we'll talk about in a moment with, with such as a turnaround. Um, but you know, they're looking for those. Um, um, you know, business, they can then apply their wares to it because private equity don't just bring in the cash. They bring in their hit squad of marketing specialists, ops specialists that's probably out of our league um, and, and they're uh, looking to IPO it or do something else? Yeah, or it. roll it up into one of their other funds, potentially, yes. uh, which then adds um, a, a uh, income to their um, uh, p- pooled income, which adds a multiple to their net worth as well. So everyone's just playing the multiple game. Yeah, mm-hmm. or sell it to yeah. a, a and, listed company. And it's, when, when you've got a company that's you know, north of uh, a million or two million, um, it's established, it's got p- gone past product market fit if you're in the new age businesses. So they look at them, and that just seems to be where the, the, uh, the yardstick is in Australia and, and the US as well. Um, starting to creep down a little bit. But look, they're not interested in buying companies that do a half million dollars profit. And, and, and is healthcare part of your thinking
1: with healthcare for the same reason Mark was talking about where money flows, growth goes? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's that's where money's going, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. So that, that's the overall objective. And, and just to finish off there, the, the goal here for us isn't to act, you know, to you know, flip it and sell it, but it's to have the, the option two should we choose to get tapped on the shoulder at a a, a, a number that's too too good to um, to t- pass up. So the goal there. So that's the overall objective. But we talk about deal criteria, and you, you touched on government funding, and that's one of the the overlays. I think I mentioned in the the very first pod about what we're looking for is you know, painkiller, not a vitamin, solves a real world problem. Um, Recession-resistant, strong uh, was one of the strong things for me. I'm not into cyclical businesses. Um, it, now, as I get a bit older, or uh, startups and shiny object stuff, uh, but you've got to be on trend, strong demand, and a large or increasing TAM, which means total addressable market. I want to see the market increasing, not um, decreasing. That's um, that's one of the. the uh, so, in other words, there's plenty of blue ocean in front of it. Should you be able to um, outmarket the the competitors? So,
1: I think that's important. Alex Homozy talks about that, and yeah. uh, you know, if you if you're going into business and you're going into a shrinking market, it's like paddling upstream. You know, you've got to paddle like crazy just to stay in the same spot.
2: Totally, totally, and so yeah, and not not cyclical, not seasonal either. So I don't to be um, you know, having our um, getting a business under stress, maybe it's a summer product or a winter product or vice versa. Want consistent steady uh, income year in, year out. Uh, So all year round, I should say, sorry. So that's that's sort of the initial uh, lens I put over it. And then when we, um, okay, let's get then specific. I wanna uh, look at a business that has multiple selling opportunities. So business to business, uh, hence why we sell up here to healthcare professionals. That's a large part of the business. It's not just um, B2C. So want that B2B, B2C opportunity. Um, we want a moat um, and that comes in the form of exclusivity uh, but also a moat um, can be what you bring to the table as far as marketing um, what do you mean exclusivity so if we have products that um, when I say exclusive rights to sell a specific line of products in Australia so no one else can sell against us mm-hmm. um, so we're not competing against the you know, the same guy selling the same pen and, and two dollars down That's that becomes a price war and so we're not interested in, in having a price war mm. um, so that there's that and also a highly fragmented market where you haven't got one predominantly, dom- uh, predominantly uh, dominant player in the space that you're just not going to be able to penetrate their, their, their moat by being the largest player. That's that's a moat as well. So, um, And obviously that that marketing in sales, what can we bring to the table? What's the arbitrage there? And we talked to Semi about a fax machine-operated business when we were looking at these businesses, um, had a good deep dive into a lot of the competition, how are they running their ads? What were they, what were they running them to? And got a really good feel for it. Yeah, I think we can, we can certainly win here just by playing the marketing game alone. So, so Greg, maybe just
1: while we process this, can you just throw some images up of this business up in Brisbane? Uh, we've left it nondescript because we want to maintain you know your privacy because you're still in that uh, turnaround phase and it's going very well. Um, but just throw it up so people can
2: see it and have a look at it. Yeah. Maybe just walk us through like what, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's what, one, one last part I left off that for anyone, I think is probably the most valuable piece out of that, out of that objective and the, and the criteria is we want a motivated seller. I mm. want deals. I don't yes. wanna pay full tilt for anything and I'm gonna run through just some, some quick um, headline numbers. Um, Eric, I'm sure you'll, you'll dig into those as well. So um, yeah, so we, we could probably go to that, um, that deal. If, if you yeah, know. I think it's good because I think I want people to see the
1: images so they can say, okay, this is a warehouse-based business. I'd like to get a sense of like what was the vibe when you took it over. Yeah, yeah. How were they marketing their product then? Yep. And what was the energy like? And what what what, what have you done culturally and tactically to to turn it around? And. Um, and, and how's it going? Yeah, yeah,
2: sure. I think a bit of context around um, the deal itself. As I said, we want a motivated seller, and so the the deal essentially we, got, we get uh, three years past financials. Sort of gives you, you like a, you, you, a laser beam into what happened. It's a story. It's a story book of the company, um, and um, you know. It, the, the business was doing north of six million bucks and it was on a downward spiral, hence the turnaround to about 1.8 million for a EBITDA of about 250 or 280. But within that, there was a um, we had to re- re-engineer the financials to work out what was real and what wasn't and was it actually running at a profit or not and how long this thing was going to take to blow up if it was going to and I'll tell you why in a moment. So um, yeah, so we, we essentially bought the business. Um, it should have been trading on a multiple of three at a 250 uh, profit, you're looking at seven hundred and fifty-eight hundred dollars dollars for the business. Plus, there's about six hundred and eighty dollars worth of stock at cost. Uh, van, forklift, uh, unencumbered, about hundred dollars worth of machinery there. All the FF&E, like racking space, office equipment, the whole shebang, and the team. And it was a walk-in, walk-out deal. And we paid two hundred and fifty grand. So walk-in, wow. walk-in walk-out um, means basically where you've got two weeks of our attention and you're on your own. So we had a bet, and that's what I'm going to get to in the moment. This wasn't a normal deal where you do perform... You know, and you know, five months of due diligence, um, and to work out whether it was going to be a buy or not. We took a bet that, um, a, we looked at the stock. That was the main lure. We wanted to get to this space. The stock is there, and it depleted over time. So I wanted to close this deal as fast as I possibly could. It was a, we were basically buying the stock. The quicker you close, the more stock is in the warehouse. Hundred percent. So I wanted to force this deal. And we did it through Christmas, and it was. <laughs> don't recommend trying to get lawyers and accountants all working to out <laughs> of the same hymn book uh, over Christmas. But we did. We got there in the end, and uh, that. Negotiation, that sort of stuff is a conversation for another time as well because that was a, a very interesting shit show. Um, why were they selling? Like, what was it that, yeah. like, are they older people? Why, why was their exactly. motivation? That's that motivated seller. They'd made their money out of the business. they have got a very healthy lifestyle out of it. Um, kids all out of it, as you said, went to private school. They have got multiple properties and Holly like the best of them. He uh, dropped out of a heart attack in 2019 and, and they bounced him back to life. Um, and then and the wife said, uh, enough. Uh, he's an ex-church um, minister, funnily enough. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll ever trust another one. Um, <laughs> fuck me, the stories I've got about that guy. Mate. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so And so over that period, then COVID hit, and obviously um, that took an impact as well for, for them. Um, and they were fire selling all the stock. And that's when I talk about that. Was it really going to... Is it a true 250 EBITDA or not? We had to f- financially... Um, re engineer the books to work out okay, is this are we going to make the right bet here? And if we can, and this is where the what, bet... What does financially re engineer like? What are you actually doing? Are you going through
1: the P&L each month and you're looking at line items and then one by one saying, hey, it says this? Yep. What actually is that? And getting down to the granular expenses and income of the business is yeah, that what you're talking yeah, about?
2: Yeah, and also what they call add back. So if these they've pulled out, you know. Uh, fifteen grand for childcare, which they did they ran a creation out of the back of the uh, just wrote up fifteen grand. Well that's an ad back. In other words that's that's income a non an expense that wouldn't affect us. So, so it's th- an
1: expense that was going through their books but going forward would would not actually be there, so That's therefore right. it would actually normally be profit. And yeah. this happens a lot in business. Totally, there's, there's expenses like travel and
2: different things to get put through yeah. businesses. I mean, so they basically like any small business, they lived out of it mm. and they deducted everything they possibly could. So they yes. did, the books looked horrible. So we got an a ex Big Four, I think it's PwC, uh, M uh, accountant, due diligence accountant to come in, um, and uh, we pulled those costs a few bob. How, uh, how much is a few bob? Mate, we...
1: Um, I, I really want to know, because people listening to this really want to get their hands around yeah, it. Yeah, how,
2: how we structured it was a bit different. We found uh, a guy and I only asked him to do minimal work. We didn't do a full financial DD. But if you're going to do a full financial DD on a business that, you, that you've got time to do the DD on, um, you'd be looking at circa. If you're going to do it properly, 20 grand. Um, yep. Uh, so you want to make sure that the business is worth buying, and you've done your research on all the other areas that you can do the on yourself before you go and engage. So we it cost us about five, six grand. Like, oh, it might be seven. I can't remember now. But we only wanted to do specific pieces that we couldn't unpick ourselves because we had a fairly good idea of what it looked like regardless. And remembering the biggest lure here was the stock. We weren't, we weren't actually buying the How revenue. How much stock we, did they say was
1: there? It was about 800 grand when we started negotiations. So 800 grams worth of stock, 100 grand yes. worth of vans and forklifts. And um, you bought this thing for 250
2: Yeah, plus it was pulling 250 um, oh, Plus it
1: was pulling 250
0: I was wondering yeah if I heard that right I was going to yeah, ask yeah. So you, did if you, if you I was just it.
1: repeating that back <laughs> <laughs> if, you if you're wondering guys about how to create alpha in business alpha returns this, this,
2: what you're learning right now is gold yeah so I mean and that's the thing we'll talk about property versus business why I'm interested in doing this is because um, you know if I buy something for 250 grand and in 12 months time have a, you know, a multi-million dollar asset on your hands and we put 125 plus you know, change for some operating expenses in there I don't know any property that that can do that nothing uh, nothing even close so um, and you know so the, the bet was can we outmarket out and outsell the current owner and you know again looking at the competition uh, looking at their current ads looking at how they're running the business um, I thought that was a, a pretty sure bet for us. Um, and the, the, the hedge was this, if, if we couldn't outsell them and outmarket them, I had three months of runway to do it because I had 800 grand worth of 680 at settlement plus 100 grand worth of um, bands and whatnot. If we couldn't, I'd fire sale the stock at cost online, which I know they were doing because they'll fire sale it to start with, and we would pull in six or 700 grand, it might cost me 150 grand to do it, and we would walk away with 250 grand profit for the exercise. So it was a hedge there. I wanted to de-risk this deal. Um, and if it, if we did work it out, uh, we'll keep it and get busy and uh and uh this is a turnaround you know there's there's you roll the sleeves up and um know that it's an old business running on a on a fax machine we're going to do some tech um upgrades we're going to do a, a shit ton of marketing upgrades we're going to put sales teams in we're going to rebuild websites the whole shebang this whole this business every single nut and bolt if you're metaphorically speaking was pulled out either polished and put back or thrown away and we threw most of it away so it's a full rebuild it's like a 17 year old startup um, with exclusivities and a, and a bunch of stock, so that was where the um. That was so
1: this did have exclusivities on certain mm. products. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Amazing. That's yeah, incredible. Because yeah. um, that's so hard to find, and it's really hard to do it from a startup. Like I was really blessed with dry flush toilets to get exclusivity from day one, but generally speaking, for the average punter, um, and let, the, the only way to get that is by buying a lot of stock of somebody. Um, because manufacturers don't want to give exclusivity to an unknown quantity. So the fact mm. that you pick that up through the acquisition alone, just the rights yeah, and, are worth and, money.
2: and a couple of cheeks, like the, the old past, he was a cheeky cheeky bugger. What he couldn't get um, uh, exclusive on for some lines of products, he went and registered the trademark of that name in Australia. So anyone who goes to sell it, he goes, stop selling, stop selling, stop yeah, selling. Right. So he picked up a trade, like a, what's a trademark these days? It's about a thousand bucks, I think, to mm-hmm. To trademark, he
1: was was savvy in some ways. Oh, you bet he was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cagey, yeah.
2: I can can only imagine the amount of money ripped out with his handing that plate around at church on a a Sunday.
0: (laughs) So, so it goes to show how important then timing is and and finding that motivated seller,
1: right? Like, it seems
2: like that's highlighted in ink. It is, I'm not interested in paying full tilt for a deal, it's like you want to pay below or uh. You know, and
1: that uh, comes down to motivation, right? So the the guy's just had enough. You know, he's he's gone through a major life change with the heart attack, yep. and once the
2: wife said, "Dude, you've got six grandchildren, and they want they want Poppy to be around." Yeah. yeah.
1: So get out. What, what are we doing this for? Yeah. So so. Just give us in pl- like stepping away for a minute from the from the analytics. Just in real world, what was it like when you turned up there on day one? Yeah,
2: these two new guys come in. Yeah, and it was it was one of those deals where they were fairly cagey about us meeting the staff because it was such a deal, right? If they right. were going to ask full market value, it'd be a proper due diligence digital, process. We'd meet the staff and go, and it'd be announced, and it'd be um, you know. on the staff know it was
1: for sale? Not
2: at all. That's what happened
1: uh, with my animation company. I did not want anybody looking there yeah, unless yeah. the money was pretty much in escrow.
2: Yeah, it it was in escrow, and it was a walk. In, walk out so the day we walked in they walked out and I was like hi welcome meet the new boss yeah and we're like cool and this you go
1: south real fast because neither of you live in Brisbane right so the business no. is in Brisbane your partner's in the sunny Coast and you're on the Gold Coast so you guys are tag teaming you bet going up there every day for the last yeah, yeah
2: I don't go up there much anymore once every six or eight weeks I suppose because what I do is pretty much work from home and all online and, and my sales team are all online as well so and remote but so you've so, walked in there the other two new guys Yep. What happened? Um, I was like, hi, <laughs> I'm James. Here's some donuts. <laughs> we're nice guys. <laughs> we, we love you already. We don't even know you. So, um, and you know, we, we um, they were like, oh, okay. We didn't really see this coming. And 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 that was that we just got got to work and i um, started pulling shit apart and um, did you fire anybody no we, that was part of the deal as we took all staff and uh, and okay. their on um, their adjustment for entitlement so so you didn't pay anybody you didn't fire
1: anybody you then went into relationship building mode yep and then what what, what sorts of things were you doing like in a practical sense were you changing the marketing straightening the warehouse out
2: no i was straight into, into the ad accounts straight in there in the ad account straight what sort of advertising were they doing oh just um, uh, running Google ads and, that's it and poorly like uh, like it was you could tell uh, like Facebook ad library you can see what the competitive ads are doing you can send me see what the competitors on, on Google are doing now as well so we just went okay well there's a, a dial we can talk we can twist straight away, mm-hmm. uh, adjust pricing, adjust ad spend, ad adjust targeting, all that sort of good stuff like that. So in the first week, we, we completely... So you went into the digital marketing side. you looked totally. at what they were marketing, how
1: much they were marketing it for, yep. overhauled the creative... Yeah. I just wanted to see the cash register ringing
2: in a lot faster, a lot harder, because remember that stock's burning And, how, day. and
1: how quickly did you see a turnaround?
2: Yeah. Like, um, for, for example, month, month one, when we went in there, it was a shocking month. I think it was about 87 grand they did in sales, down from doing six mil a year and spun that around and it pretty much d- um, doubled out it was about 160 first month and then it went from north from there off on it went yeah. um, until we, we hit a um, hit a ceiling and these all these businesses um, uh, as you'd know with dry flush they're regulated by and, and Eric as well regulated by inventory how much stock have you got on hand and until we've had a proven business model I was and we had stock to burn I want to say burn to to test our our, our theory Um, I wasn't interested in in loading up on any more stock um, for a business that we're not 100% clear on. Remember that hedge, if it's not going to work in three months, I want out. And it wasn't until after that three-month period, like, all
1: right, cool. Was there any other low-hanging fruit, aside from the digital marketing, where you could create instant profits like... Yeah. letting go of infrastructure or selling off assets that weren't being used
2: doing a yeah. mini sort of there wasn't that, that, there, there wasn't really a great deal of that or or staff letting either no. um so it was straight into marketing but um the the business you know the, the turnaround um it, it came from you know when we looked at the, the, the mar the margins and the the, pro- the pricing and margin matrix is it was like all right this thing is just running just nose above water at its current pricing so you know, with with ecom, you, there's only so much price elasticity in, in that you can you can flex. We pushed that and went, hmm, okay, we're not going to make this work. How do they used to do things in in the old days, way back when before digital was around, and it was with the sales team. And when the minute you put a sales team on, so from losing money to a green light was the whole shit. We need to put some sales, to, um, change the from a, an ecom model into a lead gen model and with a compelling offer. Um, and put a sales team on. And with that, you can automatically increase price. So we went selling products that were selling for two grand online to eight, eight and a half grand. So Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy and smokes. No, and, and no dent in, 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 in um, demand at all. So And that's the, the power when, you've got to, you know, when you get away from the e-com model. Even if you like Amazon, for example, it's a price war. Yes. I don't care what anyone says. It's yes. a price war and then you're dead. Um, e-com online, if you're selling similar or same products and you're relying on an e-com model, it's a price war. People just buying, they're buying the dollar and they go, yeah, sure. It's got a few extra, um, 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 a few extra reviews and this one and whatever, it'll do. But when you um put a sales model together, um, you know, you can, it, with...
1: You know. It's like selling those massage chairs or those beds and things that turn up at trade shows. Like I bought a, tr- a bed a- at a caravan show for like seven grand. I got sucked into this thing, yeah, but, but eight hundred bucks in Alibaba. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And but it's because it was a salesperson and a presentation and a limited time
2: and all the shit that you yeah. salespeople do. Exactly. So we, we went to that model and we put salespeople on at the same price that we're selling online to see whether we could get the phone sales guys and get that model worked out, which I'd fairly. Fairly uh, strong bias towards that we could we could do that, um, and we did. And then we started pre- creeping the price up, pre- creeping the price up, creeping the price up. Cut ecom, then went full lead gen. Um, so when you say full, full lead gen versus ecom, just for people who are not
1: familiar, you're talking about ecom is you see an ad, you click the ad, it goes to the product page on your website with a price. Yeah, and you that, put your credit, your funnel, and you put your credit card in. You, you don't talk to anyone, you buy it. Yep. You're saying now you run an ad that goes. Just talk us through that funnel, yes. the, the so, like, sales model funnel.
2: In anything with, with sales, you need to have some background information and being in the healthcare and medical space, I thought logically, when you go to a doctor, what does the doctor do when you first sit down? They ask you what the symptoms are. So all right, this is cool. So I worked out from the sales guys, what are the symptoms? What are these people suffering from? And put that into a logical 10 step um, questionnaire online. They go through that. And then um, you know, with a, with a heavily incentivized offer to complete the assessment. Uh, so I could find out what was going on, what these people wanted, um, and so. So can you give me an example? So let's say
1: with my toilets. Yeah, so um, an incentivised offer. What do you mean to complete the survey? If you complete this ten
2: question survey, you'll get something at the end. Maybe to incentivise, like a free go in the draw to win a holiday. Or that's that's okay, a, an whatever. example. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Or you know, or become um, you know, you might be an assessment to say you know an um, assessment to see whether a dry flush toilet actually suits your situation. Do you have a caravan? Do you have a boat? Do you have a... A six-page report of the, the top toilets in Australia uh, and which one would be right for you. Yeah, totally. And, you can, and they're not off the back of that, when it comes through to that, that once they've completed that assessment, um, they would then have the opportunity to book a call with a consultant to then talk about their assessment results. Um, and, the, you know, the whole raft of stuff, which... Um, you can really, really, really incentivise the back end of it. Um, so your ad goes, I see
1: a Google ad or a Facebook ad, it goes to a survey. A
2: landing page. A landing
1: ad. page for a survey. Hey, you're interested in this product. Complete these 10 steps. Or, or you're not sure what what, what uh, is this yeah. right for me or not? Yeah, it could be like yep. if you are selling a hearing aid device like those audio people in the shopping centres. Yep. Fill out this survey, tell us about, you know, do yeah. these tests, and at the end we'll tell you which hearing aid's right for you. And, of course, amazing, the one they sell is the one that's right for you, but, yeah, yeah, but think, it's the same think, idea, right? Think
2: of it like a finance application. When you're, when you're online and you've got all these new... Um, finance um, businesses out there they go through what's your name what's your age what's your income you know what's your superannuation uh, have you got any other debt uh, they do a, a, a quick fact find on you to work out whether you actually qualify and at the end of that survey when you're going through it's like oh you've been you know in, uh, you've been for um, um uh, your application's been received for um uh, qualification and approval please book a call and one of our guys will approve your loan for you think about that model and then incentivize the hell out of it at the front, at the middle, and at the core. And so what you're getting then is on the flip side,
1: you've got a salesperson with all this information you bet. about this customer, Yep.
2: and it's a very consultative sale. 100%. So th- th- they go through about a 10-question uh, uh, questionnaire put together, and it's about 80% of the questions that any salesperson worth a salt would ask on a call to start with. So you've got the information right but there. You've systemized it, Incl- so you take in- out that Including problem. budget. Mm. Um, how much money have you got to spend? So you know upfront, so you can
0: prioritise which are the mo- which are the most important calls to make first. They're as all well.
2: they're all important. Yeah, <laughs> they, they all get it, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what And then, and that's when you can you know to make sure they're all important is to finish that that arc and go. Okay, well, great. You've got the this, you've got the lead. You've got a sales guy, but how can you make it affordable for everyone? And that's mm. a whole other a whole nother conversation as well.
1: But you're getting this funnel is actually performing really well, right? In terms of lead gen cost. Yeah, it's bonkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, what's an appointment costing you? Uh,
2: depending on if it's a, a lead to an appointment, it's about one in three to book. So it's three bucks fifty for a lead, depending on how I am running the funnel. About seven bucks fifty to ten bucks for a booked call, which oh is my God, wow, that's which is, so which is cheap. crazy. On an
1: eight grand product.
2: Yeah, they're about to get a bit, about to go north as well.
1: Yeah, and so and so and obviously there's a shit ton of margin. Yeah, based well, on what th- told us.
2: that's the thing is we're, um, we're working at the financials where we started, where we are, where where we want to hit. And we're we're climbing that um, that margin ladder up. And you've got a
1: distributed sales team, so these people are working at home with a with a digital calendar, like a Calendly or a Tidy Cal or whatever. And the appointments are just dropping into their calendar, correct? And they're on a commission. Yep.
2: And and uh, and uh, got some pretty sharp people that are that are. We're we're, um, about to go on a and you know, as I said before, one of the objectives was to get some results to get funded, Mm. and now that's. that's where we're at, James. What,
0: what's your what's your cost of sale like, including the sales team, etc.? Well, it's, it's it, uh, I guess what I'm trying to understand is roughly what price does your item need to be for this model to kind of work?
2: Yeah, I just I, I put um the cogs at forty percent in in commission, so and then I adjust the price accordingly. So that's, that's the uh, that's the target.
0: Right. That's so nice. th- th- there's no you know, like for example, if you're selling on uh, Shopify, you, you need a you need to have a cart value of about ninety bucks in order to break even on a sale? Like, is there a break-even point in dollar terms? Like, you had a $7 oh, that's, cost per that's, that's
2: where they were when we took the, took the business over. They were about break-even. So, we, we had a lot, a lot of room to, to move up. But you can't do it with an e model because it's price So, you need those
1: higher-ticket
0: items. But say, right? say you had an e business that was selling a higher-ticket item, like $15,000 worth of products.
2: You don't. That's a the thing. There's not many businesses out there that will sell 15, but from click to credit card, 15 grand. So, it's difficult. That's where the sales team comes into it. And you can factor in a salesperson's wage. If you factor in, the way I have did my, my comp plan uh, for the sales team, it's works out about if they sell 200 grand a, year, uh, a month, they make 200 grand a year. So it's about 10% is the, is the, the cost to sell it effectively without the cost of goods. So the act, the cack, if you will. Yeah. I'll run, I'll run it through you uh, yeah. after here. I'll oh, show I, you what it looks I've, like. I've got so many questions for yeah, you. But yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh, but no, it's working well. And, and
1: so, yeah, so you basically focused changed from an econ model to a lead gen model, um, and you, you've recently got some inventory finance, I think, coming in place as well. Yeah,
2: um, we, um, and that's the main constraint with these businesses is um, um, is funding. It's um, set out uh, no money out of pocket. So we had a, a call yesterday and got the informal green light for half a brick. So. With NAB, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so for those who
1: don't know what inventory finance is, NAB are really good at this, and um, I've put yeah. a few of our clients into the people there in the NAB Private. And basically, they give you inventory finance. So, when you're ordering stock from, let's say, China or wherever your stuff's coming from, they will pay the invoice um, to the uh, manufacturer, and they give you six months to repay it. And you pay back. It's at an annual interest rate of about ten percent, give or take. But if you've had it for six months, which is what the facility's for, it's 5%. So if you've got 100 grand's worth of inventory, you pay $5,000 plus the 100 grand back in six months. So as long as you turn the inventory over in six months, it's a fantastic tool. Oh, and
2: at that, that rate, 10 points, it's like nothing. It's, half, it's 50 grand, it's a grand a week. It's secured against the,
1: the, the inventory. Yeah, it's,
2: there's no surety, it's nuts. It, it's, 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 it's a it's, great product. Yeah, absolutely, so.
1: Shout out to NAB. Um, yeah, 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 <laughs> it's sponsored by. Yeah, I mean, we use them for dry flush as well, and uh, it's been a game changer. Well,
2: what it does, it takes a, a, a lot of the capital that you're formally plowing back into inventory. You can start to scale up your operations. So right. as, as we come out of um, out of through this, this um, holiday period, um, it'll be full guns blazing on recruitment. We've already tried dumping larger orders in there now. Um, and also scaling. Like at the moment, we're only online with um when, you, when you've got your offer and your model, right, we're on online only at the moment on, um, on the two of the major platforms and it's in idle because we don't have the sales people to be able to handle the volume, which is always a good problem to have. But as soon as we get that, um, that free up that capital from what we'd formerly planned back into inventory, we'll go straight to scale and invest every dollar back into it. Yeah. And, uh, and scale means like with an offer that we've put together, it's a, like um, homozi talks about, it's a universal offer. Yeah, you know, radio would work well for this, TV, local TV, newspapers, gazettes, um, and having some B2B team on the ground um, to go and knock the doors and, and build a relationship and whatnot. So, and look, there's plenty of other rabbit holes to go down um, to, to spin this thing up. So, Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. it'll
1: be fun. Yeah, we're excited. I think we, we'll put a pin in it, James, there. Sure. Uh, and we'll call this part one of, I think, maybe a few parts. Sure. Because there's so much... I think, look, guys, in the comments, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, drop... Um, some questions in there, and we'll come back to James because we know James really well. And uh, you can see here, this is just scratching the surface of James's experience. And there's so many questions, but we've, we've got one more segment to get to today. But uh, drop the comments below. Let James know what you think um, of of what we've covered so far. But uh, I think this is going to be a real hot uh, great so, subject. Yeah, yeah because absolutely. so many of us out here, we know the we know the process of creating wealth that we've all followed is build a successful business and then reinvest the profits into that successful business first. Forget about crypto, forget about trading currencies, forget about all that bullshit um, because there is no better return that James can get right now than if he has 100 grand is putting it into his business because he can turn 100 grand into 200. You can't do that in property or you can but it's 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 not going to change your life as much as a business that'll keep putting money in your pocket every month. So this area of learning business and learning to you know, buy value, create value, and scale value is really, really valuable. And then, then what we do is we buy real estate or we improve real estate, and then we manufacture those profits, we manufacture and compound. And it's a beautiful segue, actually, into what we're gonna talk about now with Eric, because Eric has done this extremely well off the back of your um, success with MX, and, and the boys there uh, built a nine-figure business, and now has been investing in real estate for some time. And today, we're gonna to unpack one deal before we end the pod. Um, it looks like you got a question for James. Or you probably was, got 50 I just, questions.
3: No, I, a, I have a lot of questions. I was a little quiet during that segment because I was just try, trying to wrap my head around. Pull it close. Right why the hell I didn't get the phone call to invest in this business with you because yeah. I thought we were friends <laughs> and it seemed like a fucking
2: good deal dude we, we're, we're raising some more we'll probably raise around and go when we are mid, mid mid this year so we um, don't want to pull pay full freight for anything remember yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just taught us <laughs> that James yeah yeah um,
3: we're friends right I don't want this arbitrage <laughs> bullshit
2: happening.
0: I'm sitting here about to start another brand and thinking geez, I need to uh, get involved in James's
3: business I here. gotta
1: say though like to, really to be very very clear on this I know James really well and I've watched how hard he worked to find that deal so it's like anything when you start you're optimistically uninformed you think it's easy you hear a course a lot of people have learned what James has learned about acquiring businesses because you did a course to learn that and you've got the and then you're you know optimistic and then what happens is the realism sets in when you start to actually try and reach out and james went through a lot of shit to find the deal and then you go in the valley of despair like oh my god do i even want to do this and then if you're strong like james is you stick And James is
2: stuck. I was going to ask, how many deals did did you look at, James? I don't want to sound arrogant, but look, I built a cannon, an absolute war chest of um, data to go through, and I literally um, managed to fire a cap. And that was like, fuck, we've got a lot of deals there to look through. And then you've got to go through and do the, the DD, all the call, one after the call, after the other, after the other, after the other. But I think one point to note there, Adam, is also it's is not for the faint hearted one, you know, a lot of you know, I'd have done a course on it. They go out there and promote them as oh, just buy a business and buy income, that's bullshit. It doesn't work that way. It's when you grab the tiger by the tail, it's what the fuck you are gonna do with it? And mm-hmm. if you haven't got the minerals, it's, a, it's been a, a long year, I can tell you that. And it sounds like, you know, I, I bet you, you
1: were shit in your pants still at 250 like everybody would it's it's still 250 it's it, it's you're nervous you don't want to fuck it up
2: no it's a bet and you want to make sure your bets right so you get as much as you possibly can and go in with your eyes wide open so and look there were surprises don't worry about that again pin it for another time but um man there's a the whole laundry list of uh of fun fun stories i could tell yeah and we will get them told <laughs> yeah. because yeah. It,
1: but, but it is an, an amazing opportunity and i think if you're listening to this and you're interested in that whole space like Cody Sanchez and many others, Alex Amosi, they're all at playing in this space because it's a huge opportunity, but only the best will survive. And and that's why having like one of your secrets is you've got a great business partner and you did it together. It would be very tough, I think, doing that sort of thing on your own. You need a sanity check. There's going to be days where he's down and freaking out and days when you're down and freaking out and just hope that none of them overlap. <laughs> um, but it is certainly a huge opportunity.
3: I know the business you're getting into, Mark, and I think you definitely need to have a chat with James because it's a high ticket item, and I don't it, think anyone in that space is doing something similar to that. Because it, it, that's exactly what you know, was asking young the question is I think all his about. His model online. could work for, for it will work new brand. very well for what you're doing. I agree, yep. and I, I totally... don't think many people would be doing that. Yep.
2: Yeah, and the, the way I work with that now is called consulting for equity. So I'm happy to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually,
1: that's that's I think totally um, uh, legit, right? You've built is right? valuable, and and it would. And this for everyone listening, it's kind of a joke that James is making, but. It, it, one of the mistakes I made when I was younger is, is thinking that it was a zero-sum game, that if you give something to James, then it comes from you. But actually, the right people add value, and so it's a, a smaller piece of a bigger pie when you add the right people to the pie. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 really smart to partner with people who... To, uh, to, uh, to And Eric is the king of that. So, James, thank you for... Um, for all of that, that was fucking that was epic, brother. That was so good. I love it. And I was sitting there genuinely riveted myself. Your superpowers are, are really unique, and I can't wait to learn more. Eric. Oh, Want a piece of that pie, don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> little, wet, wet the beak. Wet, hey? wet the beak. Wet, wet the beak. A little,
2: little bit of yum-yum.
1: So, yeah, yeah so uh, Eric, um, you know, for those who don't know Eric, Eric is one of... Th- th- a small handful of guys who own a very successful e-commerce business, a nine-figure business, started on the Gold Coast um, 2007, 2008. Great success story, 170 staff. But over that time, you've invested in other businesses um, and scaled them and so on. But we specifically asked you today to unpack one of your property deals, one of your smaller ones, but still a juicy one, um, just to demonstrate that when you've got dividends coming out of businesses, how to multiply the dividends so that you can get rich fast. Um, And so we're gonna unpack one deal in Burley. So do you wanna just give us a high level uh, of, of what you did there?
3: Yeah, definitely. So again, I want everyone to understand that how important it is to have a network and a network of people around you that you trust. So I actually got a phone call about this deal. I wasn't looking for the deal. I wasn't doing due diligence on the deal. I actually got a phone call uh, by a business partner in this deal. And uh, he just rang me and said, listen, I got a property. This is what we're looking at doing. This is the opportunity. Are you keen to come in? So these are the kinds of calls that I get now from my network, which which is powerful, right? So it doesn't mean I have to go out there all the time and create my own deals. So I want everyone to remember that. Now, this deal happened back in October of 2020. So fresh, kind of in the midst of COVID, no one knew what was happening and the deal looked good. It was a house and land uh, deal in Burley Heads. There was an original house on a block of land on the hill. And I'm sure that Greg can pull that up. I sent you some photos. Maybe
1: just pull up the photo at this point of the land yep. so people can see it. Just the subdivision will hold the photos of the actual end product yeah. it'll be a bit of a reveal.
3: So there was a, an old house on it. And actually another builder, uh, builder, sorry, bought it at the time. And he's the one that subdivided it. So he then wanted to get out of the deal for whatever reason. And my mate, who's a builder, Ramy, and said, listen, this is the scenario. They've subdivided the land already. It's subdivided into two, four, four houses. So two houses on each block. So at this point, two blocks of land with two houses on each, like duplexes. Approved? Already approved. And there's no houses Approved, so architecture's done. No houses are on it, but full full approval's of place. Architecture's done. Pretty easy walk-in deal. Now, I did a little bit of due diligence called a couple agents that I knew in the area, what are things selling for? Build costs were a lot different back then because it was pre COVID and we went ahead with the deal. So my friend that brought me into the deal kept one side and built two and I bought the other side and built the other two. So we did a deal, he built all four at the same time, which made it a lot more feasible um, cost-wise and time-wise. So the land purchase was $998,000 for fully approved uh, duplex, uh, plus stamp duty, about 37,000 DA contributions, which is a contribution to council uh, for your DA, as an example. And with that, we got a 50% discount because we were building two. So that was another 30,000. Then you got some architect fees because we made some changes, subdivision costs and whatnot. So... Total build cost was 1.499 million, so call it 1.5 million, and then you had the land and stamp duty, um, DA contributions, and the rest of it. So total cost was 2.6 million approximately, um, and this is excluding any GST out of the deal.
1: Maybe maybe Greg, you can bring up now so we can see the property, um, some photos of what what he built there. Yeah, very cool, contemporary, sloping down a hill, right? So yeah, yeah two yeah. out, Beautiful one, views. one on top of the other, one on looking top of the straight other. out over Burley Heads. Yep. And then next door and the next block was the same, right? One on the high side of the road one yep, on the low one side one on the low
3: side. And, and the interesting thing with this was it was dual street frontage. So what we ended up doing is instead of having two houses on one lot, we actually went back to council and added even more value to the property by getting it fully subdivided. So we now have four blocks of land individual houses on four blocks of land and all individual addresses so it wasn't you know um, uh, one a and one b address it was literally you've got you know number 74 and you've got number 75 and on the other one as an example was a total different street so total different street name and access came from that street which added it's a a h- massive amount it's of a huge value. Value, add value for
0: what a three-month process at council. Correct. Yeah,
3: yeah. In yeah. council, council on the Gold Coast in Queensland, which you'll find out, they're they're here. You know, yeah. they they want to do business. That's awesome. You know, that's why the likes of you know Harry Triguboff, who owns Meriton, love investing heavily on the Gold Coast and in Queensland, particularly because New South Wales just everything takes that much longer. Mm. So so with that, we purchased it October 2020 and fully completed in December, 2021. At a so cost
1: of 2.6? About
3: 14 months, yeah, at a full cost of 2.6. Um, I injected a little over a million dollars in cash. Um, there was reasonings for that at the time. You can easily do this um, with less cash if you wanted to. And I've worked that out for you as well. So most recent bank val, which was mid-2022, Came in at four point eight million, so you know total profit of about two point one seven, uh, give or take, with a um, cash on cash return on the million dollars of about two hundred and ten percent, in about fourteen months. So it worked out really well. Did you retain them?
1: You, you own uh, yes. them, right? Yes,
3: and I've retained them. I'm in a big kind of hold pattern at the moment. I just, Good I'm thing, a big, man. I'm a big believer that prices will keep creeping up. Mm. And I own both, yeah. And one we're getting sixteen ninety-five a week rent, and the other one sixteen fifty a week rent. Wow. So they're, and they're you that high with a quality. Yeah, million dollars of debt. Yeah, million dollars of debt. But I've worked it out backwards, right? So if total costs were at two point six one, and you wanted to get an eighty percent lend, right, which you can get on this very easily, if you had the serviceability, right. And when I say serviceability, guys, for those of you guys that don't know, basically. It's the amount of income that you have that can service the loan, right? And that's changed dramatically over time because when I did this project, interest rates were at around 3%, you know, with an offset account, which I had cash in. So my actual interest amount on this project was quite low. But even if you added, you know, an extra 50, 60 grand a year over the four months in interest, it's negligible in in the big scheme of things in this. So... I worked out at an 80% LVR, you'd have to put in about 525 grand, which is uh, 20% of the 2.6 million cost, as an example. And that would be about a 414% cash-on-cash cash return. In a, in a little over in a year. Yeah, about 14 months. Now this one, this one's a little bit different because we rode that kind of COVID bandwagon, right? So... The numbers could be a little bit skewed. Like, could you do this today and, you know, in 14 months? I'm sure there's deals out there that you can. Like James, you know, you got to take the time and you got to look for these deals. It's not, you know, you should be looking at multiple deals. You don't just go and buy the first one. But even if it wasn't and it was 50% worse off. I, I Totally, yeah. And that's what I'm doing still, right? So the deals that I'm doing now, right, the cash and cash returns aren't as good as this. But at the end of the day, if my cash on cash return was two ten, and I get now eighty or ninety, it's it's still amazing. You know? but it's but still much deal, better than the bank.
0: These deals are always out there. Sometimes there's more of them. Sometimes there's less of them. But the but you make the money when you buy. Yeah. Right. So those deals are always yeah, out there. Make... Yes, you had COVID at, at your back and whatnot, yeah. but there's always something.
3: So so this was interesting because we didn't buy a raw block then you had to go and do a DA and architects. So those that's six months, right? That's why it took us 14 months, right? Really, this probably would have taken about 20 months, I would say roughly, because you'd have to do the DA, you'd have to engage consultants, architects, engineers. We bought that already mm-hmm. fully approved. So, so I we started building straight away. I think
0: that's a key point as well. If you If you have all those street frontages, you can subdivide the block and then you don't have to go through a town planning application to get the unit sites. Correct. Whereas a lot of people go through that 12 to 18 month period and then sometimes they get rejections or objections and they have to, it Correct. gets prolonged. But subdividing the blocks is actually a really smart strategy.
3: And then there's so much you can do after, right? Like you can sell them, take the cash, you know, hold it for a year, 50% CGT capital gains exemption. Um, you can keep them as, as I'm keeping them. You can then go and refinance out of it at the new bank valve, suck money back out, reinvest that in different things and and go from there. So there's multiple strategies you can then go, you know, and use from there.
1: My, you, you're a wog. You never sell property.
3: Walks you know, I, I sold, I sold, <laughs> I, since I've been in Australia, I've sold three properties. And I try to put that in my past because I don't like thinking about what they're (laughs) worth today because, honestly, it irritates the shit out of me. So now (laughs) I'm just like, keep, 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 keep because I'm all about time in the market, not timing the market, you know. And when you, I know a few old-school Greeks that have owned, they don't sell anything. They keep everything. And I'm telling you, the amount of wealth that they achieve over time is unbelievable. We'll be sitting here right in 10 years time looking at this deal and going yeah it was okay oh for oh wow you know because prices are just going to keep going yeah. over time you know there'll be peaks and troughs is my belief but they will always go up just mm-hmm. like sliced bread and fuel and especially linen like, shirts <laughs> and
1: especially like burly heads i mean you nailed the area <laughs> looking straight out over james street and the beach <laughs>
3: look at you guys uh, it's
1: just but no there you go lots of wisdom eric thank you for sharing the deal and we will share more of the deals that we have been doing in in our lives and are doing in our lives eric's doing some awesome stuff at the moment in the commercial space in a hotel space um some really fascinating things that I can't wait to dive into in future pods with you. But again, guys, if you want more of this content, drop a comment, a like, and subscribe, guys, because you know this content, um, enable in order for us to get on some amazing guests, they wanna come on to shows where there are followers, because that's why they come on, is to make sure that their message is being amplified. So the more people that subscribe, the more people that comment, the more traction we get on the channel. So help us share the news that there is a pod in Australia that's professionally, well, semi-professionally <laughs> <laughs> produced uh, by a bunch of uh, lads that are talking about real shit. You know, like um, to Eric and and these guys. Uh, a Rolls Royce to Eric is a dirty building in Burley. That's that's his Rolls Royces, right? Um, same with me, right? Like that's we're trying to make a show here that that is not just talking convoluted bullshit. That's actually talking real shit that we are doing in business and investing to manufacture wealth in order for the average person uh, over time to escape the rat race and and live a, a liberated life where they are unemployable because everything they look at is just not comparable to what they know how to do through their own experience. Eric.
3: And out of these three stories, there's no reason why people that are watching this can't do it, right? We're not bringing you stories where you need $10 million. Mark's story, 80 grand. James's story 250 grand which he oh no Did was with two guys 250 which he actually didn't pay for I think he mentioned about 125 grand or so in actual physical cash and my story is again uh, again a little bit more but for 525 thousand you could get into into this deal now someone like Sam raised two million dollars in a day Sam's, you know? a,
1: Sam's a young man in our orbit who's yep. 21 yeah 21 21 went out and found a deal only five minutes from where we're sitting, and uh, contacted a few people in our community yep. and raised two, $2 million dollars in cash in in a few yep. days for that deal. Yeah.
3: So don't forget, you don't have to do these things alone. You know, if you have twenty grand, find four other people with twenty grand and do a deal like Mark. You know, if you have fifty grand find three people and do a deal like James if you want to put in the time and the effort in the business. How so, do you find
1: those people? You share this pod <laughs> with yeah. all well, your friends and yeah. see who comes back and says, yeah. dude, I'm super interested. I want to be where those guys are.
2: It's about the deal maker. Yeah. I mean, they, they'll hold the ultimate power. I mean, I, it's the person that's going to go bolt the deal together um, is the conduit between it all and there'll always be cash.
1: Th- yeah. There's no shortage of money. Like, look at Eric here. He's genuinely pissed off that he didn't get a sniff over here. And, and I say this to Eric and I say this to other guys like
0: <laughs> we were friends dirty, eh? dirty I we were friends
1: no but that's why we're doing the boat coming up for our coaching clients um, we're putting them on the boat together um, because uh, they're going to build relationships we're going to talk about deals that you've done and they're coming up you know one of the guys who joined our coaching is in that project with you in Thailand where you built the 15 story high rise and I've seen the numbers I'm like you fuckers better invite me on the next one right? <laughs> um, because that's that's how it gets done is by building relationships. So um, next year, we will be opening the coaching again. Um, so if you want to come and join this community of people, if you are sitting there on your own, you don't have a network, come and join us. You know, we do stuff with our coaching clients. And uh, in February, we're taking them out on a big 80-foot uh, yacht here to build relationships and talk business. And it's just an extension of the pod, yeah.
3: It's funny you say that, because Troy, that that particular person, is in uh, the US right now for three and a half weeks, just running amok, muck. With his missus and having a great time, and we've just sold one of his other properties that he bought off the plan, that he's just settling on the 22nd, which is tomorrow, and he just made 450 <laughs> grand on that while he's in the U.S. You know, Pardon? going to UFC events, basketball events, you know, NHL events, and he's making money at the same time. It's, it's unbelievable, and that's what we want. Yeah. You know, all of us to be doing, including you guys, the ones that are watching this, going. You know, how do I do this? This is so inspiring. Just keep watching, keep connecting, and you will be building your own network very, and very
0: shortly. It never happens alone. It, it always happens with the help of great people around you. And I think this is such a great uh, show and platform for people to kind of start that conversation. Totally. Like Adam said, share the video. Let let them, let them see who comes back to you with some interest and some passion because there's nothing like partnering up with people with passion
1: but also the questions too like just, to just f- quickly remember while we're talking about partnering up with people with interest in passion James again is single <laughs> 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 he's looking up, uh,
2: looking out to partner <laughs> with people with passion yeah. all the time yeah. <laughs> don't put that in the comments <laughs> <laughs> just DM me straight up <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a little bio it wouldn't hurt you know? it's, address, it's pro- I, want,
1: I want a 10 question survey what's your, what's your uh, Instagram how do we smash <laughs> your
0: DMs <laughs> <laughs> smash what's the address for fan mail
1: it's James Denham it's James Denham on Instagram, ladies, go your best. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ladies, ladies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and out
3: of, out of respect, he actually did do his uh, top button up today. Yeah. Uh, thank oh. you for that. No. <laughs> it was quite distracting. Last couple of pods. You were going
2: to say something though, James, sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> oh, just saying, but the, 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 getting back to reality about the comments, like put in the comments, like, what do you want to know? Get some feedback. Are we hitting the mark or not? And if we are, um, you know, um, it'll certainly make good fodder or good topics for, for the following pods. Yeah. Fantastic. guys, Thank you for watching. As always, we deeply
1: appreciate your attention and your uh, being here. Tell your friends, like and subscribe, drop a comment. Have a beautiful day. Gentlemen, thank you for coming in. I use thank the you. term loosely, Thanks, but Adam. thank you for being here. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we're going to take a lot of this discussion offline now because uh, I know Christmas. we want to dig into stuff. Uh, yeah, really? well, this come out just after Christmas, but Merry Christmas. Hope it was safe and uh, let's watch uh, the... i be
0: harassing James for the next two weeks on this deal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, guys, that's it. Bye for now.
2: Ain't nothing about this is luck. Boy, this ambition.
0: Nothing gets in our way. We on a clear mission. We making plans. We just trying to lift society. Working so hard that we growing notoriety. And we born with the drive. Yeah, it's inside of Eric, Mark, and James. We giving game. They inspiring. Adam Clear with the vision. It's so deployable. You do what you want when you live in life. Unemployable.